curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything, Mr. Curiosity. All right, folks, here we are. It's another episode of Mr. Curiosity, and you know I'm Mr. Curiosity, Joe Snedeker, and sitting beside... Uh-oh, I just realized, this is the first time... It's a woman-dominated podcast studio. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. We have Shannon, who's working the controls, and Sister Mary Alice, the big queen of St. Joe Center right here. Uh Uh-oh. All right, so here's the deal. What I have is something I've never had here in the studio before. It's a little high school or elementary school bell. If I say something inappropriate... If I say something that makes you uncomfortable, you just go, and I'm going to pull back. Okay, and if I say something that makes you uncomfortable, you could ring the bell, too. Well, let me tell you, here's going to be the sound of silence, then, if you say something. Look, you can't make me uncomfortable, ever, ever. No. One... And I feel the same way. Oh, I don't know. I, I can be honestly... weird. You're a normal person, and I'm a weirdo. Shannon, why do you keep touching everything? <laughs> a little loud. A little yeah, loud. All right, all right, so... Let's go back to 1966. What a great year. There's you and I, little babies, just emerged onto planet Earth. We opposite the, ends of Lackawanna County. Opposite end. I was born in St. Joseph's Hospital, which was in Carbondale. Sure. Not related for, to St. Joseph's. I worked there for 10 years. See? We're telling too much already. already. Okay, I, jumped, I jumped ahead 25 <laughs> years. Ahead. 20, 35 years. So you're born in 1966, as I was. Where are you at? I was born at Mercy Hospital in Scranton, and my parents uh, brought me home to their home where they still live in South Scranton. So you are a Scranton woman. I am. Parents from Scranton. Mm -hmm. Irish background. A Southside girl. A little Italian, mostly Irish. So the dad... Uh, what's he all about? What's my dad? His name is Jerry Jaquinot, and okay. he worked as a plasterer and carpenter. So he worked in the trades all his life, and he taught me a lot of good things. Uh, he taught me to be uh, strong and um, to love your work. But before we get to that, not that we're jumping ahead, okay? But this last name Jaquinot. It's a nice. That name. sounds snooty French. Well, it what is, is French. It? Oh, and it is kind of an interesting story. <laughs> it's not um, snooty. It's not snooty, no. All right. Uh, so I, I'll say. <laughs> I just wanted to practice. All right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, All right. Jacquinot. Yeah. And actually, to, the more French would be to say Jacquinot, but I, I think Jacquinot, the T's there, we might as well use it and not just leave it silent as the French do. So okay. that's less snooty. Okay. More Scranton ha, ha, ha. Uh, is to use the T. Remember so, Le Pew, the skunk? Yeah. Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he, he kind of portrayed a lot of the. Uh, characterizations of French people back in the 50s and 60s, right? Mm-hmm. Inappropriate today, right? Right, inappropriate. Because he was like a little snooty. Mm-hmm. He was better than everybody. Right, had he his was nose up in the air. Nose up in the air. Mm-hmm. That's you. That, no, that's I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she hits the bell. You know I'm just kidding. I, know, I just wanted I to get you said. All right, so there's your okay. dad, uh, a construction guy. Yes. A hardworking dude. Still mm-hmm. doing great now. He's still doing great. He still loves to work around their home, around the yard, always pitches in when I have projects. Um, you know, he, he appreciates local history and the architecture in Scranton. Is that right? Lake, County. Yeah. I never met this guy. No, he's more quiet. So, so I'm trying, I'm going to guess his age. He, he's in his 80s. 
70s. He's a young guy at 88. 88? Yeah, he'll be 89 before the end of this year. But still totally healthy and Absolutely. still totally active and all that? Yeah, I'm very well blessed. What's his secret with that? Do you know? Like, was he the kind of dad, like, he'd eat salad instead of pizza? He'd, he'd work out. His health right his diet right now is very healthy. Um, you said right now. Right now. So over the years, yeah, he would have eaten different things. But now he's he's very conscious of what he eats. He does love a bowl of ice cream every night. So maybe that's <laughs> every his night. secret. Every night. And uh, hard work, I think, is what he would say would be his secret. And he's had a, a good life. But you remember when you were a kid, you'd come home from school or whatever. He's watching wrestling on TV. He's got a Jenny in his hand. He's got a sloppy Joe or Not a my dad. Never smoked. Oh, never okay. drank. Too frugal to want to waste money. Oh, okay. So, so that was my dad. Picture, my Shannon. dad was more his... likely to be in the backyard cutting the grass or uh, have his tools out working on something at the house. And he often, because of the work that he did, he worked full time. And then he also was called upon by a lot of friends and neighbors, family members uh, to do construction at their house. The church was a big part of our lives growing up. My dad often did construction projects or renovations at the church. So so he's like almost this, I hate to say it, like this stoic dad symbol. Like he a, is. He's a, a strong man. He's very loving in a quiet, gentle way. Okay. So through his presence. So he's, he's not one of these tough guys growing up. No. You're not going here. And not You're a big not, sports guy. Not a big sports guy. No. Me neither. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like this guy already. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong being a sports guy, yeah. but I have no time. There's other things to so, do. Right, yeah. All right, so your mom, uh, I'm guessing she's Irish. My mom is the my uh, maternal grandmother was Italian and her, her and my maternal grandfather was Irish so I'm a little bit Italian. Oh, okay. Uh, mostly Irish. And she's a wonderful person. She is, Marianne. You've met her. Yep. Uh, she's a nurse. She. Uh, my dad grew up in North Scranton. My mom in West Scranton, and then they raised their family in South Scranton. So we're very Scranton neighborhood oriented. All right. So here you are in 66 born, uh, uh, sibling order, first, last, middle. I don't know. I'm the youngest of four. So they already have three others. They do. And here comes you. And we were close in age. So in, in five years, there are four of us. I don't know if they knew what they were doing, taking all of us on. I was going to say, wow. I mean, yeah. I did three in a short period of time. So was it chaos? You're, you're in elementary school now, middle school, chaos, brother, sisters fighting, sharing a room. Oh, going out here, hanging out there. Oh, I want to borrow the car, dad, all that. Absolutely. That's what <laughs> happens, right? <laughs> uh, we had, you know, we, at that time, everybody just played in their backyard. You played with your neighborhood friends when yep. you were young. Uh, we did a little Little League and that sort of thing. Um, my mother uh, was uh, is a registered nurse. She stayed at home uh, f- when we were young. But I think by the time I was in seventh and eighth grade, she started to work. So so this sounds like the beginning of a perfect childhood, a perfect family, the all-American Norman Rockwell scene. That's what I'm getting here. Unless you're hiding stuff. I don't no, know. no. I, I, think you're, I think you're right. That That's uh, – I feel like uh, – the home I grew up in with my parents, their loving support, it was a very strong foundation. And setting values, isn't that part of what happens in your home? So setting those values to be caring for one another in your family, um, enjoying each other, and um, certainly giving back to your community. And you saw their interaction. You saw the love there. Right. Absolutely. One thing I always tell people about my parents that uh, some find it hard to believe others, uh, yeah, that was me too. I never heard a curse from any of my parents. Did yours ever? Uh, Maybe they uh, swallowed it. You know, you knew that was going to come out, but it didn't come out. So, yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and and because yeah. I see other parents. Not, not that I'm judging, mm-hmm. but using foul language to their kids. Oh, and I'm never. always shocked. Oh, never. No, that's what yeah. I mean. I never did that, and be, probably because my parents never did, did that. that. I don't right. even know what that would be like, like you know? Right. Yeah. So it, I guess you learn from your parents and you pass it on. Right. And that's exactly. how I am now. I'm, Role modeling is so important. Role modeling, indeed. So yeah. here you are. But you don't always know you're doing it. We call it in some of our programs at St. Joe's Teaching by Example. So it's that. You're not specifically saying, oh, this is the lesson I'm teaching you, but you absorb those things. Teaching by examples. I give you an example of that, and my wife is great. Mm -hmm. But my wife the other day said to my daughter, you got to clean your room. It's getting a little messy. And she said, "Um, well, yours isn't looking that good either. (laughs) Because it was a moment when my wife had, you know, because of my weird shift at Newswatch 16, I kind of sleep most weeknights in my own little quarter, and mm-hmm. it's always really neat and perfect. Mm-hmm. So I told my wife, I said, you got to teach by example. You can't tell her to clean her room if there's stuff around yours. Right. So it doesn't work that way. Yeah, so teaching by example. But you mentioned St. Joe's. There is no St. Joe's yet. We're going in chronology of okay, your life. Okay, I can't mention St. Joe's yet. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I got to follow a timeline here. All right, so you're in middle school. Is there any trouble? Your brothers, sisters, did anyone get brought home by the police? Did anyone, um, <laughs> you laugh, did anyone, do you remember that one day where your father lost his cool because your brother or sister came home with alcohol in their breath? Or maybe she, your sister or your father, I mean, or your sister or your boy, or your or your brother seeing the wrong person. There's turmoil at the house. I don't want you dating that person. Not so much. I guess it was kind of a boring household. You're <laughs> <laughs> looking for more tr- Folks, more I got to get shit and I got to get dirt here. There's got to um, be something. So I went to Scranton Public Schools. So they were all neighborhood schools, which was fun. We walked, you know, to the schools around us. So we did, you know, we were near one of the schools. So there was a lot of activity. So you walked to school every day, walk back. Yeah. This especially. is like you, you're picturing this utopia. Right, I don't exactly. believe all this. How about you're walking to school one day and and... Uh, you trip someone just to see them fall. No, we just reminisced about this on the weekend. <laughs> I mean, I did that. I broke my tooth in oh, second grade. Oh, And I um, was in the playground, and I got a little shove, and I hit my head off the building. And in those days, in the 1970s, there wasn't a lot known, I guess, about dental hygiene. And so <laughs> I stayed in school all day with the isn't half that, tooth. Isn't that something? And I walked home real proud to show my mother the other half of my tooth. The principal came to the house, you know, and said, sorry, this happened. And I guess I'm okay now, you can see. I have a chipped tooth also. Isn't yeah. that something? It's been, you know, fixed. But you're right. Years. It was different then. It was like, yeah, yeah toughen yeah. up, move so on. So that was really the most dramatic thing But when that, that person happened, pushed you. Did they meet it? Was it personal? I spilled shellac on my brownie uniform in grade school, too. I remember that stands. A shellac spill. These are all the things you can pull out. There's got to be more. More drama. Not so much. We had a dog, Candy. Was the name of our dog? Uh, probably not as beloved as Jet. Candy barked a lot. <laughs> Does Jet bark a lot? Jet barks, but he's. Uh... Yeah, because we lived on a busy street. Candy just really barked a lot. All right, so you come home one day. Your your siblings are away. Your parents are away. You're maybe fourteen, and you find out that Candy pooped on the carpet. You're not going to get angry. You're not oh, going to yeah. shove his nose in it. You're <laughs> no, not going to. You're not going to. No, I'm uh, going to wait for someone else to come home and find it okay, and say, right. oh, I didn't see it there earlier. <laughs> I'm just trying to paint the picture of you getting angry, losing your cool, doing something inappropriate. This is what I want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get it? No. 
Here's an example so. okay. of uh, what I call innocent things that a lot of people do. When I was uh, about 12, I was an altar boy, 11, 12, mm-hmm. at uh, Holy Trinity Church in Simpson. Now, I had an older brother and an older sister, and my parents and older brother and sister would put out on Saturday all the church envelopes for Sunday, mm-hmm. and they'd be a dollar in one, five dollars in another, stuff like that. So a couple times when I was going out with my buddies, I needed some cash, so I would put them over uh, um, like a heat source, and they would then open up, and I would take the money out. Mm-hmm. And that would be quick five, six bucks. And then an empty envelope would go in the church basket, and no one knew except me. And, and the my, church secretary. Well, yeah, and then, <laughs> but no one ever found out. And my older brother had a job. I was like 12. He was 15, uh, 15 16, and he used to keep all of his money in a c- cigar box. And he was kind of careless with it. So there'd be 20, 30, 50 bucks. And I would just, here's a 10 for me. He'd never know. Yeah. And he never, he never found out? No. Until right now. The cigar <laughs> if box he, money. If he listens to this podcast. Does this make me a bad person is what I'm asking you. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I, I think, don't think, it does? I don't know. I'm asking. You're the one. Was it stealing or borrowing? I never paid back, but I, I paid you back the paid church back. once I started putting my own donations in. So yeah, I made up for that. Right. But you never had those little things, those little deviations. Oh, I'm sure I did. If my parents were here being... They would tell a different yeah, story? They would, this yeah. is what I want. Uh, did you want to bring that? <laughs> <laughs> and my brothers, uh, my brother and sisters, they may remember different things. They would probably say I should I'm be spoiled. interviewing them. Because, of course, I was the youngest. But So there's some of that, too. Well, let's see if this picture family, uh, per- perfect family is so picture perfect. Uh, what are your three siblings doing now? What are they doing right now this morning? I mean, no, in general, I okay. in life. So right. my sister, Michelle, she's married. She lives in Scranton. Nice uh, woman. Very nice woman. She has uh, two daughters. Uh, one is out of the house working as a registered nurse, and the other is a college student. You mm-hmm. were talking about uh, having kids in college, so she's a college student. Uh, my sister, Anne, is married. She lives in Rochester, New York. You, you met her. I met her on Gojo. On Gojo. Whatever, yeah. um, 18, 18 yep. exactly. Uh, Genesee Brewery. Yes. And she and her husband have four children. Um, let's see. Uh, one in medical school. One just graduated from college. One doing a year of service. And one is in college. And then my brother, uh, Gerard, is married, lives in Dunmore. So two are local. One's, three of us are local. One is out of Gerard, state. good guy. He's a good guy. Do we call him Jerry? No, we call him Gerard because my dad was Jerry. So he's oh, the so son. he was so Gerard. Gerard. Now, will this guy be seen like on a Sunday in the fall, slugging a beer, watching a football game, maybe having some fries? Maybe he's got the cutoff shirt on, smoking a cigarette? No cigarettes in our in anybody in our <laughs> no in our cigarettes. family. No cigarettes. No cigarettes. Maybe a Jenny. I, yeah, maybe that. Okay. Um, he is married, and they have a daughter. She's uh, just nine years old. So my nieces and nephew range right now from uh, twenty-seven to nine. So that that's been fun for me. If we can move on to my being an aunt, I love being <laughs> okay, an aunt. All right. Yeah. So Gerard, though, good guy. He's a good guy, yeah. What if What if you heard he and I went to a bachelor party and we went to, like, uh, I don't know. He might make an exotic dancing about location. Me. Yeah, he might tell you stories about me that <laughs> I would want the opportunity to correct. <laughs> yeah. Then you want the belt. All right, so there it is. Now you're graduating high school. It's 1984. Good year. What are you thinking? I want to go to college. I want to do this. I want to do, what are you doing? I went to Marywood. I was, uh, that's where I went for my undergraduate degree. But what were you thinking at the time? Like, if I can go back to 1984, it's, it's, it's January 84, you need a career. 
You need uh, good grades. Are you all academic? Are you a plus student? Uh, no, I was kind of an, an average student. You you won't be surprised to know what I what I really thought high school was all about: student government clubs, after school activities, not so much sports teams. Uh, I did go to Bishop Klonowski High School, which closed when I was a sophomore, so I ended up at Bishop Hanley. Oh, so wait, you down. leave the public school when? Uh, oh, as a ninth. Fresh, for ninth grade. Oh, now hoity-toity! Now she's exactly. off to the private school. Right. I followed my, you know, my siblings' lead. My sister Michelle. Was oh, they the all first. went there. We all went there. They all graduated from Bishop Klonowski. Unfortunately, it did close just because of po- uh, population. It was still a neighborhood school, still walkable. Okay. I ended up downtown at Bishop Hanna, which was nice. Um, so how many is your graduating class? How many are in there? Bishop 130. Hanna. Oh, so that's pretty typical. Yeah, that's pretty. Oh, but that's at Bishop Klonowski, it would have been under 50. Oh. That was a little small. Yeah. Yeah. But what were you thinking? Do so you I was thinking, thinking I wanted to be a teacher because I suppose that was the thing I knew the best. My mother was a nurse, and I didn't think I wanted to be a nurse. So I thought I would be Elementary, high school, High school, history, I thought, art. and history, social sciences is what I really enjoyed. So there you are, 1984, the fall. You're an education major at Marywood. Right. Boom. Boom. What happened? So I'm still living at home. I didn't dorm. Um, I was a commuter student. Um, I continued my community activities in uh, Scranton, different this volunteer things. This is too things. perfect and nerdy. I know. I want I'm so something sorry. else. I'm so sorry um, <laughs> about that. <laughs> what, what about when you got your your driver's license? You're 16, 17. You're going above the speed limit. You're doing that donuts in the parking lot. That did happen. What? That I occasionally would speed on Pittston Avenue in Southside. Yes. I had Pulled a- over. I was pulled over for a fender bender. <laughs> we one found time. some Shannon. We found it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go it. back to this moment. Mm-hmm. This is great. Set it this up. Is it. Mm-hmm. How old are you now? I was going to Marywood, and I think I must have been eighteen or nineteen. You get in an accident. I got in an accident. Your fault because my books were flying off the seat of the passenger seat, and I braked too fast, and I hit somebody. In the to bed. get the books, you hit somebody. Mm-hmm. Oh, it all worked out. No damage to either car, but. You know, stress. I haven't ever sp- sped ever since. Yeah, so I think a, I just that's a lie. lie. <laughs> stress, adrenaline running through your blood. Did the person come out and say, "Who are you, you little punk?" Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that happened, but I was still close to home, so I probably didn't feel too too scared. And that. that's when your dad lost his cool. How dare you do this to my car, Mary Alice? You are grounded, grounded forever. Yes. Yeah. Go right to the convent with Get you. Get to the convent. <laughs> No, what happened? No. He was he took it. Uh, yeah, it was per- calm, it was, cool, collected. Yeah, because there wasn't a lot of damage. It wasn't really unsafe. So at least I found something. She's a bad driver. She <laughs> causes accidents. Sister Mary Alice is a bad person. No, no, there right. you go. So then you're in uh, Marywood. What, what makes you change things? What makes you think? Uh, I don't know. I want to do something different. Well, I, I, you know, graduated with the degree. I student teaching is what made me change my course. Because I, I felt a little bit uh, closed in. Wait, it's 1988 now. Right. You start studying teaching. In the teaching. fall Where? of 87. Um, I had two placements, Dunmore Elementary, like for junior high, and uh, Scranton Central, which isn't there anymore. But This is so what? You felt awkward? You yeah. felt And I, you know, uh, you could relate to this. Were you, did you do student because teaching? Because I'm awkward? No, student teaching. When <laughs> no, you were, yeah. Okay. I did it, and I loved it. Yeah. I was only 21. The students were 17, 18. It's weird, I it's know. when you first start out, yeah. So I just felt like it was maybe too monotonous. I think the truth is, and I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings, that you were too proper, 
cool. <laughs> I mean, too proper, too nerdy, too sweet. Yeah. And you can't be that way as a teacher. No. You gotta no, be. be ahead of the. Yeah, I don't think people would describe me as nerdy. So you picked up on that. <laughs> you picked um, up. On- <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with Maybe that. Maybe nerdy isn't right. You're right. Just too. Shannon, help me. Too proper. Too sweet. Proper. Prude. Prudy. Maybe to buy the book or something. To buy like the, the book. book. Yeah. Yeah. Am I hurting your feelings? Not at all. All right, so that you give up so on I, that. So I did, um, I was volunteering, as I said, with a lot of different community groups, and the American Cancer Society was hiring someone to do community education, to do fundraising. But so, so stop right there. This is why I feel like I'm a horrible human being. When I'm 19, 20, 21, the last thing on my mind is volunteering. I'm out with my buddies. I'm looking for a job. I'm in college. It's like Animal House. Right. And well, I did a little of that as well. <laughs> okay. So uh, since you're pulling it out of me, I will say I had a fake ID. Oh, wait. <laughs> okay. I don't know if my I'm parents seriously know. Throwing, they're going to really listen to this. I'm throwing this bell now at the wall. Did you hear what just came out now? That's right. It all. It, this is like a confession. I can't here. believe this. Proof uh, room. You had a, so even a though fake, I was a you had a fake ID. I did. Did you? Yes, <laughs> but you would expect that from me. So even though I was a student at Marywood, of course, all the action was near the University of Scranton. <laughs> yes. So I did have fake. a fake ID. <laughs> Does that make me a bad person? Know if I can go on. This is this is akin to you saying you murdered someone. It's that drastic, I think. No, I'm just kidding. Shannon's saying no. How'd you get the fake ID? Had someone make it or? Uh, you know how it was kind of easy in the yeah, 80s, Yeah, it was right? easy. Yeah. You, can just yeah. you just needed a little white out and a black pen. As long as we're purging, um, I have to tell you this. You made, a, you made a living making them. No, but yeah. I was so broke when I was in college. I was at Millersville University, and, I, and my, my car inspection ran out. Um, and I couldn't... Mm-hmm afford to get an inspection the tires were bald the car right. wouldn't run well so i made my own inspection sticker <laughs> this is this is before they had like the the the, the, the holographic and, look yeah. and everything mm-hmm. and that got me through I, yeah. ch- I changed like the month on it and mm-hmm. i got another four or five months out of it yeah. and then i'm thinking wow this is working so i made myself a staff parking at millersville university and i parked wherever i want oh, did I made you really? my own yeah but- Staff they parking. were probably wondering what member of the staff has such a bad car. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's my purging. I'm sorry. Okay. I see. So we'll forgive each other. Okay, good. So now when, do, when does the whole new you begin? Whatever that is. I don't even Whatever. know what to call it. When I uh, <clears throat> considered becoming a sister. This is where you have to educate me. I'm, okay. I'm not familiar with the whole process. Sure. Okay. So I, uh, when I graduated from Marywood, I accepted a position working at Marywood. Uh, I, I worked for the Cancer Society for a little more than a year and then an opportunity at Marywood uh, to work with student leaders on campus, campus activities, okay. the whole area of student life yeah. on campus. And I worked there for five years. And I would say I first thought about being a sister when I was in high school. I admired the sisters who ran the school. Uh, they were a lot of fun. They were available to us. They were participating in, you know, the life of the school. And I got to know some of them because I was a student leader. But I think that's interesting right there because my relations with sisters in the 70s and even early 80s, even though I went to a public school, I went to Catholic uh, what was it called? Religious Ed or something. Yeah, but CCD. Catechism. 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 Yeah. So I used to have to go to catechism every weekend. Mm-hmm. And it was your typical 
habit none, mm-hmm. cranky. They seemed like they were all in their 80s and hated me. Yeah. This was my image of a nun None. then. Okay. And I, I, maybe it was a So just, a different experience because yes. I never had that. I mean, we had sisters who were uh, coaches of teams who were None of that. No. With, See, with mine were like not even and, real yeah. people. Yeah. They just no. showed up in this car every week and emptied out into the church. And taught, taught, taught. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't want to be there on a Saturday. So think not about at that. All. So no. even, the, you know... Um, the most perfect person who wants to be in a classroom on a Saturday. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but they were just, they seemed mean and all short. <laughs> <laughs> mean, they short. Gray hair and glasses. Mean, short hair, old gray hair and carried sticks. Yes. And were mad at me yeah. always. But that's probably my twisted past. I didn't have that experience. Yeah, so yours I had a sounds really, like a positive a really one. positive one. And then when I went to Marywood and then worked at Marywood, certainly got to know the sisters uh, even better as real people. You so how do you make that, that. jump? How do I make that jump? Yeah, what happens next? Well, you begin to think about a lot of different things, like career exploration, but it's it's deeper than a career. Say, can I see myself doing this? Right. And as I got to know the sisters and felt like our values aligned, our interests aligned, that it would be something I could see myself doing. So like any commitment, you don't become a sister overnight. You know, you don't just quickly decide yeah, what happens there's a process work? it's called formation oh see i don't know any of this yeah and how long is that for religious sisters it's three years does that require any additional um formal official university education it does or not no? not oh, so for it's all handled con- by right. the catholic church yes oh I because see. well specifically by the congregation so i'm a member of the congregation of the sisters servants of the immaculate heart of mary so there's lots of different congregations including right here in our diocese. And that was the one that I knew the best. They sponsored Marywood. I had relatives. My mother and father both had cousins uh, who are IHM sisters. Yes, yes, yes. So I always grew up around IHM sisters. So it's three years of what? Education. Three years of education, developing um, the practice of prayer uh, as part of my life, uh, a commitment to prayer. And are you stuck in a facility? Uh, we lived in a convent. So there is this thing called a convent. There's am, a thing called a convent. Am I that ignorant? I don't know what that is. So you probably didn't have a convent at the church where you grew up, but uh, there are a lot of times they're near a parish, especially if a parish has a school. Uh, today there are less large convents and more uh, smaller homes where sisters live. The largest convent I ever lived in was 15 people, but there are convents that have more than 100 people in So them. you literally live there? I live there. Well, it ironically was not far from my parents' house, but part of the formation time is that uh, sort of distancing from one's family of origin to grow into your identity as a sister. So I saw my fi- my family throughout my three years in formation, but on a less regular basis. So is it strict like, okay, Friday afternoon, I want to go home for the weekend, or no, no, no? no none of that. More planning, and another value of our congregation is our community life, how we live together as sisters. And so we do plan things together, including social things. I went out to ice- for ice cream last night, uh, with four other sisters. So those are the things we, we choose to spend time with one another. No, but what I'm, I get, I get that. But but when you're in the, that three year process, Mm -hmm. are you free to say, I'm going away? I'm going home for a week. No, no, no. Part of that is the discipline again of growing into your identity as a sister. And do you remember at some time at least going there and saying, Oh my goodness, I don't know. Oh, there were lots of times and that's part of the three years. And you know, that's why you don't make your commitment uh, your formal commitment is called um, the profession of vows. Oh. We don't make that on day one. 
Uh, just oh, like so when you and Dawn this. met, you didn't met, you didn't get married <laughs> no. day one. No, he eased she needed into a it. lot of time to think this over. <laughs> She's still she thinking did, it over. I know, she's still probably thinking inappropriate. <laughs> Inappropriate. There's still probably inappropriate. times. Dancing. What did I get myself into? Inappropriate. <laughs> All right. So then this this is completed, and it's what year now? So I entered in 1994, ten years after I finished high school. I worked at Marywood uh, during that time, and then uh, 25 years ago this year, I entered. Um, is the the word we use is entering the convent or okay. entering the congregation, and then. Um, in 1997, I professed my vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. So okay. the vows that most religious congregations take, including uh, the IHM congregation. And I was assigned to Carbondale, Pennsylvania. Unbelievable. To be the director of volunteers at now Marion Community Hospital, but the same hospital where you were born. I always had a special feel when I was up there so you're, you're and where the um, obstetrics was. And I think it's because you were born there. Yes. Yeah. And now the place is defunct. It's something else now. It's, but it's being a, used for something else. Yeah. But so this thing. is what year now? No, mid 1997. 90, late, so this is your first application. Right. This is my first, uh, what we would call a ministry um, as, a, as a professed sister. So when you're a sister, could you say, oh, I want my own home i want to get an apartment or do you have to always be attached to the living facility of the catholic well, church part of our vow of poverty all right is that whatever i earn i contribute to the congregation and in turn the congregation helps me budget or budgets for me so um uh, it would be unusual for me in this area to have my own home or something like that but uh, more commonly to share it with other people Oh, so it would have to be, you know, afforded, affordable. Oh, so most sisters then mm-hmm. live in facilities. They can't have their own blank. Well, it's a regular home. We can't own anything. Oh, I see. Yeah, sisters can rent apartments if it works, if it's what's needed for them personally. And oftentimes it's because of their ministry. They need to be near, yeah. you know, the hospital, this school, this nonprofit organization where the, where they might work. And if you say, oh, I want a new motorcycle. You can't just go out and I buy know, one. just last week I asked for that. <laughs> no, but you can't, <laughs> How did you right? Know? It's got to be given by the It's, it's got to be given and, and, it's, and it's owned by the congregation. Oh, so I we see. we own everything in common. Oh, I, I see. This is all yeah. good. I didn't know this. So no one owns a motorcycle. No one has one. As not far that as you I'm, know. as far as I know, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I've ever seen a sister. On not a motorcycle. motorcycle. But it's so I'm This is the most uh, cliche question. I'm sorry, but it has to be done. The the old seventies nun outfit, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Am okay. I even am I wrong right now? To yeah, say well, a nun we would call outfit? it a, a habit or yeah. a, like a religious dress. Has on gone by? That's outdated now. For it's- the IHM sisters, it has. So in the nineteen eighties, I wasn't part of the community, but if I know my history well, uh, the congregation makes decisions together, and that's part of our our meetings every summer is our decision-making process. Oh, so it was a group? So it was a group decision. But if there's a group in Nebraska that wants to keep it, or Michigan, is it vary that much? Based on where your your congregation administration is. So we all belong to the same congregation that has its mother house, which we call the IHM Center on Mary Woods campus. So the 330 of us who are Scranton IHMs, we make decisions together, not for the universal church of sisters. Oh, so there, so there you are will sisters. see a lot of contradiction. These do it, these Correct. do not. These yeah. do this. The- and a lo- there are sisters worldwide, so they all have oh. a different. And then this unique gift of a, of a congregation is called its charism. 
So what is it the spirit of the, the group? And so that's what we oh. make decisions that are consistent with our spirit and our values. I love it. Now, and the outfit's got to be uncomfortable, though, if you did have to do I that. never wore it. You know, when I entered in the 90s, the sisters had already moved away from that. Uh, there, there was rationale for it at a time where yeah. sisters needed to be, you know, uh, distinct. And now our understanding is much more that we're integrated. We're yeah. part of society. It looks we're approachable. Thick. Yeah. It looks thick and rigid. I I, for, I know sisters who wore it, of course, and you know they do say it was warm and, and, <laughs> and very formal. <laughs> and sometimes it was off-putting. It made people think that they were, you know, yeah. uh, not well, to be approached. And they're the short, little, mean ones that I had yeah, to deal with back so. in the seventies. Yeah. See, but then it worked for them because <laughs> maybe they got you to sit in your seat longer, right? They just yeah. gave you a look. <laughs> I literally thought they were like aliens from another world. They They jump off this car and they... uh. Yeah. What's the difference between a nun, is that a proper term, and a sister? Sister. Okay, we use the term sister a little bit more. Uh, Nun would imply more of a cloistered, so a contemplative, somebody who wasn't active in ministry the way IHM sisters are. But nuns are... Their their ministry is a life of prayer, a prayer for the church. Our, Our ministry is a commitment to prayer, but also the work that we do where we impact people. Love it. Good stuff. And do I have to uh, call you always, or do you expect other people to say Sister Mary Alice? Or if I, if I just say Mary Alice, is that offensive? I don't even it know. It is not offensive. It no. is not? No, it's not. Because I feel it like I don't want to say that. Right. You don't want to say I Sister? I don't want to. I don't know why. Okay, you can call me Mary. <laughs> <laughs> people call me Sister. It's like it's, it's a title. Yeah. So... Um, people are comfortable either way. It doesn't matter. My family calls me Mayor. Mayor. A nickname. So yeah. if I call you Mayor in the I'll future? I'll turn my head. Yeah. I'll I say, love it. I mean, yeah. you're not going to think what a jerk what he a jer- is. No, not at all. Because I don't I'll think like that titles. for other reasons. <laughs> because we're recording this on the eve of the 4th of July. Could you imagine saying Your Highness to anybody? That's I ridiculous. Know. Right. I don't want to say titles to anybody. Is that me having a problem? No. Your it's Excellency? Not. And I think that's very American. Oh. See, we didn't grow up in a culture of a lot of titles. Well, even colleagues amongst me have PhDs, and I, don't call me doctor, just right. Joe. Joe. You don't say, ma- I have a master's degree. Do you want me to call me master? master? No. Master Joe. Just Joe. Mm-hmm. Like, what? The titles are ridiculous. But we're running out of time, so we have to jump now. When did uh, the whole St. Joe's transition okay, so begin? Okay, so I was at, in Carbondale for all those years and loved it very much. Had another uh, little pass at Marywood where I did some work there. In the I want to say this, and I just thought, as I don't mean to interrupt, but it's funny how I'm teaching the youth at Carbondale. In the and I met you one time I, I because part of my work at the hospital was community education and health programs. And I went down there with our dietitians To Carbonell Area High School? And I think at the time you were in the school office standing on a desk, <laughs> passing out candy. <laughs> and, and I remember walking by saying, that guy is really out there. Are you serious? Yeah, I do remember that. So maybe that was like uh, the year 2000 or something like that. 1998. Well, say I started there in 89 and I left in 99. But, okay. So, so it had to be 1998, 99. Yeah. So we're doing the same work. We're doing good work in Carbondale. I'm at the high school teaching science. You're I was Mary director Community. of volunteers, so lots of high school students. Yeah, I was going to say we, had, we had the same students probably right. crossing over. And then that lasted how long? I stayed there until 2006, and then I went to work at Marywood. I also was the executive director of Friends of the Poor. Okay. I followed Sister Adrian in that work, which was a real honor to spend time with her. She's um, passed on now, but, of course, was a local legend, and she's <laughs> yes. had a beautiful heart, generous yep. to all people. So in all of these years, the, 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 the attitude of Sister Mary Alice is getting out there, the notoriety, this woman's great. 
she's the best. You're moving up through the rankings, so to speak. You're getting this reputation of greatness, uh, and then what happens? That's that's not really what happens. So we're a little <laughs> countercultural, <laughs> very countercultural uh, in the uh, congregation in the sense of we just say, uh, you know, get to know my gifts and how can I be of greatest service to the congregation? Not here are my accomplishments, here are the degrees I've earned. Yeah, but there had to be some type of great, sure, great you have to notoriety have... and stature that they said, we want this woman to now run St. Joe's. When does that happen? Who's capable of that? So in, in uh, the spring of 2010, Sister Terry O'Rourke, yep, yep. who you know, uh, was serving as the president of St. Joe's. She was elected uh, by at our decision-making body when we meet as a congregation. Do you remember being a part of that? I was part of that. Oh. She was elected to be president of the congregation. Uh, which meant she would have to leave her position at St. Joe's. And uh, then the powers that be um, met and decided who would have um, the ability to serve at St. Joe's. And but is I was there like this undertow that. of comments? There's a whispering, oh, it's going to be Sister Mary. I think there is. Sometimes that's. Sometimes those whisperings are right on the money, and sometimes they're way off base, right? There's no smoke so, signals like the no, Pope, though? No. There's no... No. What's that called again? I Smoke signals. No, there's that whole thing. It's a great word with the Pope, uh, the the signals, and you're waiting. It's a conclave. A conclave. Conclave is what I mean. Isn't that it? There's no conclave. There's no conclave. And actually, get... we really do approach it from the standpoint of discernment. So I wasn't told you have to go to St. Joe's. I was asked, oh, I would, see. You lo- would you consider this? Take this idea, imagine yourself in this position, and pray over it. And does this, as a result of that prayer say, I'm affirmed, I feel I can do it, or it's causes me anxiety and it wouldn't be a good match for me. And so uh, I got a sense that it would be something I could do. I knew I needed a lot of people's support uh, to do that, and, and fortunately the whole administration of St. Joe's, the management team, everybody was, was willing to stay on board. That's excellent. So here it is, yeah. nine years. So it was. It was July first, two 2010, nine years ago, and what happens in July at St. Joe's. <laughs> so I was, it was wonderful because I'm a social person, the first – Month was all about the festival, planning, fundraising. It felt r- I felt right at home with it. So we only have about five more minutes. Could you then summarize um, for, for people now just saying, I kind of get what St. Joe's is all about, but I need more. Could right. you summarize the whole operation? I can. All right. Am I coming back a second time? Yeah, yeah. right. It really <laughs> no. would. That would be no, a whole really, separate podcast. You're it, right. is, it is wonderful to talk about St. Joe's. Uh, the first thing is to say a little bit about our history. So we were formed... In 1888, a group of volunteers, never doubt, a group of volunteers, committed citizens can change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that ever has. So a group of volunteers said there was a concern um, in 1888 that because of poverty, parents couldn't take care of their own children. And so they needed a place maybe to put their child for a short period of time, have people take care of. And so that's how it started as the St. Joseph Society, a group of volunteers. Oh, Grew eventually to be an orphanage. People knew that if they couldn't take care of their own children, uh, they could place their children at St. Joe's for adoption or eventually maybe to reconcile, you know, for their family to get a little more stable. Different time. There was Different a, times. Like you just literally knock right. on the door and say, I can't take care of my Isn't baby. That, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a larger population in Scranton. Uh, there was not as much social service or support for people. There was, you know, think about it, no after-school programs, no. subsidized housing, subsidized lunch program, food stamps, a lot of things people need now to Welfare, make. Welfare, social security, right. that's all like, yeah. Yeah, that's all, all kind of new, right. So um, people needed that work. In 1950, 
uh, St. Joseph's was asked by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to provide care for people who were um, children who were born with disabilities. Again, not a lot of knowledge. Yeah. How will this child grow and develop? Will they live to be 50? Will they, you know, only have a short life? Do they need nursing care? Could they go to school? So in being asked to accept that challenge from the state or mm-hmm. federal from government? The state. Say, from the state. They, they also say, okay, and we're going to give you resources. Right. We're going to compensate you. But it's never enough. It's never enough. (laughs) And that's the truth because there are a lot of things that come up that are new that we want to put into place, and that's why fundraising. But from day one, the start of St. Joe's was a door-to-door collection to uh, raise enough money to build that building at 2010 Adams. Yeah. And now there's so many groups, there's so many organizations. That's just a part of their cycle. We're going to raise money for St. Joe's. And we're so grateful for those people. You know, St. Joe's has been around a long time. We're trusted in the community, and people see the good work that we do. And we help, you know, really uh, very vulnerable people, um, those who are quite innocent and having to uh, need the services and supports uh, that are required for them. And we've done a lot of other things, you know, with the telethon, people learn a little bit more. Yep. Uh, we've kept our original tradition. We have a program for mothers who are pregnant and homeless and with an infant and experiencing homelessness. So that's just a great way that we continue that oldest tradition of St. Joe's. It, let's, let's do this horrible hypothetical. There is no St. Joe's. It never happened. Mm-hmm. There's no Sister Mary Alice. I'm a 16-year-old girl um, unwed, no parents. I just had a child. It's got physical and mental impairments. What do I do? What would happen in a case like that now? I mean, I know there's federal right. and government facilities. There are, and they would be out of our area. So a lot of times people even who want to, you know, many want to keep a relationship with their child, even if they place them for nursing supports and residential care. Um, they wouldn't have contact with them if they were at a distance. Is it, well, where is that distance? Or do we, uh, Philadelphia you know? area. So that's um, really it. Allentown they, area. They'd sure. be out of luck in many yeah. cases. You'd have to say, right. get in your car, travel hours, or it'd be a yeah. whole social uh, incentive and program to get that child taken care of. Right. And even medical foster care could go well, you know, for, yeah. for high needs children could go outside of the state. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. So uh, what a way to appreciate something is to pretend it doesn't exist. Right, and to have a sense of that. And also, you know, it's it's worth noting that we're a very large employer. Uh, we have more than 600 employees because all of That's our amazing. programs run 24, hour, 24 hours a day. That's unbelievable. It is, yeah. So people aren't aware that we've grown that much, but uh, that's an important part in economic development in a community as well is who's employing people. And human service jobs, direct care, those jobs don't get automated, uh, so we'll be around for a long time. So before we wrap up, I'm curious. Let's say there is absolutely not a one person who ever donates to St. Joe's. No organization, no group, no Gojo 22, no well, te- no telethon, nothing. Okay. If you were just to rely on state or federal, is that like a 50%, 80%, 20%, 90%? I don't know. Is, or is that a hard question to It's answer? a hard question to ask, but uh, what it would mean, it would be more challenging for us to update our facilities. Okay. Okay, because a lot of the funds we get, we do use for the purchase of equipment and renovating facilities. In fact, right now at our main center, we're renovating all the bathrooms. We're going to talk about bathrooms at the telethon Ooh, this I year. I love it. Because... Um, you know, the, the bathing experience is really critical to the, the health and welfare and even the enjoyment of the people that we support. You know, a whirlpool bath at the end of the day, 
Um, and if you were to say to the state, we need money to update our bathrooms, they'd be like, no, no. Well, you're fine the way you are. Right, exactly. Gotcha. Make do with what you have, patch that hole, whatever Gotcha. It so this is the way that we're able to, to make a difference in people's lives. Well, that's it. We've come full circle. Absolutely. We're back. Here we are. We're here we are. And in, uh, it's now what, Jan- uh, July the... July the 3rd. And in two and a half weeks, I'll be getting in the bike and doing Gojo 22. And it's an honor to be a part of it. And I realize it's just a teeny part. But one thing that comes out of this bike ride is the publicity of your greatness. Right. Much more awareness. And uh, you have a lot of uh, friends and followers and fans. And uh, they want to be a part of St. Joe's because you're a part of St. Joe's. So uh, never minimize uh, the role that you play. You're making me cry. I know. You're making me cry. Stop it. I don't want to get emotional. Making me cry. And I told you the most common question asked of me. When I'm out and about in in Scranton, Lackawanna County, people say to me, you're the sister that's friends with St. Joe's, aren't you? What's he really like? <laughs> and I tell what... them what you're really like. I say you're a great guy. Just say loving dysfunctional. Husband, just say dysfunctional. Dedicated father. Dysfunctional. Dis- you can just say dysfunctional. Say well, how about we do this? Fun. How about we do this to end right now? Are you ready? Okay. You and I. We're going to go buy a motorcycle. We're going to go for a cruise. I can't have my name on the card. Oh, <laughs> All right. You can't do it. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. Good luck with the uh, upcoming telethon. And Thank you so much. All the great things you do. All right. Thanks. Motorcycle Harley Davidson. Emotions. Woo! Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity.